Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the New Books Network. Confounding, exhilarating, and contagious. Emotions matter. And so does applying emotional intelligence. Welcome to Dan Hill's EQ Spotlight, the podcast where emotions rule. Whatever the topic... How do hearts and minds collide? Find out with your host, a college professor turned globetrotting EQ entrepreneur. His mission? Each week, Dan joins prominent authors in decoding how emotions drive outcomes and make people tick. Now, on to the show. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for the 50th episode of my podcast, Dan Hill's EQ Spotlight. The series appears here on the New Books Network, which has as its motto, sharing knowledge so people can thrive. Today's topic is finding the hidden heart of travel. I'm joined by Eric Rupp. He's the author of the Transformational Travel Journal, Your Guide to Creating a Life-Changing Journey. The publisher is the Transformational Travel Council. Eric is a founding partner of the council. He runs an insights naturalist guiding company. He is a traveler, a storyteller, an engineer, a carpenter, a designer, a woodsman, and someone much more practically minded than myself. Over the course of his multi-year wanderings about the planet, he's built traditional Spanish stone homes in Andalusia, Spain, and run a small university in Santa Cruz, Bolivia. Wow, that's variety for you. He currently splits his time on and off the grid around Seattle, Washington. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Great. So tell us a bit about the book. Uh, what is what is this travel journal we're talking about today? Yeah. Uh, well, it is as a guide uh, as much as it is a journal. Um, and the idea behind it uh, is to just help travelers uh, get the, the absolute most out of their journey. Uh, and, and in my mind, and I think in the Transformational Travel Council as well, um, you know, the big opportunity is to, to make a positive change in your life or in the world. Okay, fair enough. Now, taking it deeper in terms of travel, because I mean, there's a wonderful quote, someone said, you know, that tourists simply visit and what you're talking about is exploring places both internally and externally, yourself and what your surroundings are. So in the book, you mentioned Joseph Campbell and the significance of his work for what you're trying to do to take travel deeper. Uh, Where's the connection with Joseph Campbell? How does that illuminate what you're up to? And are there other forces for good that you are other signposts besides Joseph Campbell for you? Sure. Um, yeah, I guess to tie it to tie it to Joseph Campbell, um, you know, he was a, a great mythologist and, and part of, you know, what he was, you know, looking at was a commonality that's, you know, uh, that kind of ties across mythology across the globe and, and throughout history clear into our, you know, contemporary stories. And one of the, you know, the broadest themes there uh, is this, this kind of cycle or this process that starts before the the hero departs on their journey through the adventure itself 
and then uh, ultimately culminating in a return and a return with boons or a return with gifts. Uh, and what the journal does uh, is it kind of follows that same arc. So it sort of asks the traveler to uh, perhaps expand the way they see their journey to uh, starting before they leave. And then would go through that kind of uh, how we typically see travel from, you know, when you leave to when you come back. And then also extend it then after you come back. So what are you going to do with the insights from your experience? So it's not enough to just go and come back, but come back and do something with what you've learned. Okay. And does that mean that the the, tra- the traveler, as opposed to the travel guider, uh, is the is the hero? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so this you know this idea that we all kind of we all write our own story um, is is a big theme and a big motivator uh, behind kind of writing the book. Um, I think. Yeah, you know, we talk about transformational travel, uh, at least when I talk to folks within the travel industry, uh, and it's easy to jump to, you know, okay, well, what what is that? How do you make that uh, a product? What what goes into a transformational itinerary? Um, but the big, maybe the big leap there is is to for the traveler to take responsibility for their part of the experience. So I kind of. I talk a little bit about how um, you know the travel experience is, is created at this intersection of the internal uh, circumstance and the external circumstance. So uh, a destination, a travel designer, someone like that can really help you set you up with great external circumstances. But what the traveler is bringing to the table um, really is that kind of hidden heart of travel. Okay, and I really like that angle to it because in the in the book uh, you mentioned various kinds of challenges, and maybe you want to delineate this for the listeners. You mentioned physical challenges, there can be emotional challenges, spiritual challenges, social challenges, mental challenges. Sounds like our our hero's got his or her work cut out for that person. Yeah, um, and it is you know travel is a, a choose your own adventure. So a big a big sure. challenge with writing the book was how how do I write something that's broad enough that anyone could pick it up and use it, but specific enough to be to feel to feel personal. Uh, and a, a common thread there is is challenge. You know, we grow through pushing our boundaries, through kind of going outside of our comfort zone. We can do that by by taking up challenges. Now, you don't have to pick you know one activity that challenges you in all of those ways. Uh, you don't have to challenge yourself in all of those ways, um, you know, during your vacation. Um, but what, what we do encourage is uh, to, you know, to pick one, to pick two, to pick something that feels right and to push your boundaries in that way. And it's by kind of pushing out uh, in that way that we that we expand. Um, so that may, you know, for someone that might be taking public transportation in Bolivia. Um, for someone else, that might be skydiving or bungee jumping. Uh, for somebody else, it might be just trying to order off of a local menu in the, the native language. Sure. No, no, I like those examples. In fact, I was going to ask you what kind of destinations or activities best fit those various challenges. Um, but you've given us some already. Any, any more that you want to throw in? Yeah, uh, it's, it's hard to say uh, because, you know, I talk about in the, in the book uh, – you know, having an adventurous spirit. And so to adventure, you want to go into the unknown. And there are kind of two ways to see the unknown. There's sort of the absolute unknown where you're pushing the boundaries of of mankind. Um, 
but you know, very few of us are going to be, you know, doing that. What's much more, you know, approachable is for us to find our own unknown, uh, push our own boundaries. And so it, it, it's going to depend completely on, you know, the person because someone's, someone's adventurous destination is someone else's home. Uh, so it's not really a, sure. an inherent trait of the place. Uh, so much as the relationship it is, it is to the traveler. I do, I do encourage people if they want to push their boundaries to find somewhere that that creates a contrast to their everyday to their everyday life. So maybe that's a quiet monastery, or maybe if it's a person who lives, you know, in a rural quiet area, maybe that's the streets of New Delhi. Okay, well, I was fascinated to learn about your time in Bolivia because I've been there as well. And if I want to think about a physical challenge, I remember being on what is considered, I guess, the, the most dangerous road in the world. It left La Paz and went down, dropping, what, about 1,000 uh, feet every mile from from the capital or beyond the capital, up in the Andes, down into the Amazon. And this is a road you may know yourself. It, I guess it's now been been paved by the Japanese government, but it was, when I took it, still a dirt road, uh, traffic coming up out of the Amazon, uh, a cliff on one side, no barrier, and a drop that would certainly kill you. And in fact, just to emphasize that point, there was a bunch of crosses where uh, cars and buses had gone over the side. And I remember being in the backseat of the car on the on the outside, <laughs> looking down just past the, the basically the hubcap, and I could see, you know, if the driver took the wrong turn, uh, got my attention. It, it was fascinating to be in Bolivia. That definitely was something new and different, and every societal custom was different. Uh, fascinating place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, the, the one thing you left out on that road or is a prerequisite to that road is a driver with absolutely no sense of self-preservation. Uh, <laughs> you know, they just, they just don't have that gene, I guess. Uh, at least that's been my experience on those on those kind of white knuckle roads. Um, and it's also been, it's, it's also been interesting, you know, to be on a bus or something like that and just fully puckered. And then you turn around and somebody's sleeping in the back row, you know, with, with their kids. So <laughs> I guess it's all, I guess it's all relative. Yeah. Well, I, I forgot to mention also that there's w- waterfalls at times coming down on this dirt road and that it's often so narrow that if a, say a produce truck is coming up out of the Amazon, you have to back up to the point where they can pass you. Uh, and you're on a very narrow and winding road. But anyway, let's let's move on from Bolivia. Another really foundational thing you mentioned in the book is uh, someone else involved with the travel console. This is Michael Bennett. And you said there was eight elements of transformational travel experiences. You mentioned one of them, which is meaningful conversation. What are at least a couple of the other elements? Oh, that is a good, that is a good question. Um, boy, put me on the spot with, with what the A are. <laughs> my my uh, apologies. That's <laughs> okay. Uh, challenge is uh, definitely a big one. Um, so getting out of your, getting out of your comfort zone. And we've covered that. Um, boy. I kind of took them and I sort of busted them apart and then re- sort of reassembled them, um, reassembled them to make the journal. Is one kind of being in a sensory mode? Because you mentioned, you know, uh, you know, what do you smell, for instance, when you're in a certain location? Is, is the senses one of the other elements? Yeah, I, I do believe that it is. Um, and, and just being observant. So getting into getting into a place, um, 
where you're really where you're really taking it in. So we talk about um, you know with the council sort of uh, traveling in a, sort of an awake or an aware situation state of mind, uh, and and that's kind of making sort of the leap from consumer to participant as well, uh, where you know you are actively you're actively engaged um, in in what's going on. I don't know about you, but I'm very busy and I don't have a lot of time to cook. That's why I subscribe to Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. These are two-minute meals. Factor meals are ready to eat in heat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. They're flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math, and this is important. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash NBN50 and use code NBN50 to get 50% off. That's code NBN50 at factormeals.com slash nbn50 to get 50 percent off okay fair enough um let me let me stay with this these transformational opportunities you you mentioned there's a wonderful quote from the guy who wrote the forward to the book phil uh kazunu i'm probably saying uh, his name Cousineau. wrong yeah, Cousineau, Cousineau. yeah there's this wonderful quote he says the dirty secret of travel is that so many go so far to feel so little it does not have to be this way uh, in your experiences, either for yourself, people you've gone along with, stories you've shared with others uh, on the console, what are some of the things that you found that really overturn that dirty secret, that really do get people to feel and to feel engaged and just to be so alive in the opportunity? Yeah. One of my favorite ways to, to kind of address that um, is, is to see if people can make the shift from seeing their journey or seeing travel as a means instead of an end unto itself. Uh, so when we look at you know travel, we work hard all year, we have two weeks um, and then we get a vacation. And if we look at that, that vacation just as an end, we're gonna go, we're gonna relax, we're gonna um, just maybe wanna be pampered. Um, and we come out of that two weeks and we feel good, um, but maybe that that switch into vacation mode, that transformation doesn't really have a lot of durability. You know, we get we come home, we get swept right back up into um, and into our everyday lives. And even when we're on that vacation, if if we're thinking, hey, this is my two weeks, I, I don't want to be bothered, I don't want to be uncomfortable, I don't want to be in unpredictable situations. Um, what we can do is we can go, you know, to a far flung place and then put a ton of energy into protecting ourselves from the reality of that place. But if we look at travel as uh, a means to a greater end, so if we think about, hey, this is an opportunity um, for me to expand myself, for me to connect with a new place, for me to connect with new people, um, or maybe even connect with something you know, far bigger than myself, whether that be an ecosystem or my, you know, spirituality. When we look at it that way, 
um, we start making different decisions. We start being, uh, you know, willing to do a little bit more, willing to challenge ourselves, maybe willing to be uncomfortable in order to have a, a meaningful or an learning, insightful experience. No, no, that, that makes sense to me. When I think of transformation, I'm, I'm thinking of change, that I do not come back from this the same person that I was, and I'm meaning not just that I have some photographs now, but, you know, I'm a changed person. What kind of traits and, and values? You mentioned that, uh, you know, to achieve transformational travel, you do need to take that internal travel as well, and that means examining the traits and values that you currently embody and maybe those that are going to be your ideal self. From, from your experience, what is maybe an example of someone who really did take the internal audit, as it were, and uh, said, this is where I want to get to, and then, you know, the particular journey really was structured or happened in a way that helped make that possible? Yeah. So uh, a big part of what the, the book does is it, uh, it, it creates a, a framework, um, you know, based on Joseph Campbell that starts before you go. Um, with with preparation, I think a good example to kind of address what you're talking about is um, a lot of times, you know, when we think about preparation, we think about all right, what you know, what's our itinerary? Where am I going to stay? What am I going to yep. take? Um, but that's just the that's just the outside part. So what what we have is an opportunity to think about our purpose. What do I want to get out of this trip? And then set some intentions. All right. Well, you know, what choices, what behaviors, what, you know, how am I going to react to situations in a way that's going to take me closer to that purpose? Um, and then, you know, a, a part that I really like that I think it's left out is, is call, uh, is what I call make an unpacking list. Oh, so I love that. Yes. Physically, you know, what, what emotionally or mentally am I dragging around at home all the time that I do not need to take with me on this trip? And, and it can be something you just set down for the duration or something that, you know, you can just un unload um, permanently. And so that's that's that kind of starting to think about, all right, what's, what's, what's going on internally and how does that impact my experience and my journey? Yeah, no, I, lo I love that term, the unpacking list. I, I think that's great because you mentioned in the book that people are really given to uh, habits and those habits can sometimes be nice things that simplify their life, but I'm imagining sometimes those habits can also um, be limitations. And you mentioned when you get on some of these journeys that you might be experiencing new routines, new rituals, ways in which you you jump out of those old habits. Uh, any examples of that happening for yourself or for others or? Anything you might want to say along those lines? Sure. Um, somebody, uh, I, you know, I kind of worked with a little bit um, on on that aspect is uh, Dr. Jasmine uh, Goodnow, and she kind of specializes in studying limbic states or these sort of threshold states. Um, and uh, what what we do when we travel is is we have this opportunity to change change the setting enough that our standard neural pathways no longer serve us. And that brings a ton of, you know, kind of new awareness because we're having to pay attention to so much more in order to make decisions and sort of navigate the world. So, you know, you talked a little bit about, you know, Bolivia earlier and how everything was so different you're navigating the world in a completely different way because you're having to listen closer. You're having to pay attention to signs in a different way. If you don't speak the language, um, you're having to try to read people and understand which way is the right way to go and when is food available, where's the bathroom. So you're just alive in a completely different way 
than um, you are through the normal course of you know your everyday life. And, and that gives you an opportunity to, you know, while you're out of those sort of neural ruts, to create new ones, to create new connections, uh, to create new perspectives. And that's, in, in my mind, transformational travel is comprised of two sort of key components. One is making new connections, which occurs clear down to that sort of neural pathway layer, and then taking those new connections and, and, and uh, through meaningful action, making a change. No, I, I like that a lot. I mean, the the origin of the brain is that is the ability to smell, actually. So if you want to talk, yes, that that's actually how the brain originated. So when Descartes says, you know, I think, therefore I am, he should have said, I have the capacity to smell, <laughs> therefore I have the capacity to think, and therefore I am. And that would have been a lot closer to the truth. We are really very sensory beings. Um, so I, I love the idea of those new connections and, and forming new n- neural pathways. And I love the idea that it's, it's action, it's behavior that can override habits and, and habits of mind and habits of character to, to move to something else. Have you, speaking of character, have you found that there are certain characteristics that people are most hoping, if they're, if they're looking for a change coming in, what have you found that they're most looking to change about themselves? Are there any patterns that you've seen over the years? Sure. Uh, you know, I think one of the the most insightful moments of of trying to take all this information and present it in a way that's broadly useful was talking to um, people in, in sort of different age groups. And each one of them, as we kind of talked through these ideas, said, you know, this really makes sense for my age group. Um and, and I think it's because this, this stuff is so useful um, for someone who's going through a change, getting ready to make a change in the midst of a change, just coming out of a change or a transition in life. Um, and so it, it's really sort of applicable, you know, to everyone. So let's say you're getting ready to retire. You're heading into a new, a new phase of life travel, you know, is, is this opportunity to, to get into that limbic state, um, to shed off all of these sort of these kind of preconceived notions and external influences that kind of help, uh, you know, define who you are, but also confine you a little bit to sort of shed those off in a new environment and, and have a little bit more freedom to say, okay, this, you know, with some more clarity, this, this is the direction I want to go moving forward. These are the things I want to hold on to. These are the things I want to let go of. And that can be, you know, heading into retirement. That can be, you know, coming out of a difficult period, the loss of someone close to you, or that can be heading into college or just coming out of college. So it's it's really that transition state that's a, you know, a, a commonality of the human experience. Um, that's that's the constant more so than any one change that people are looking to make. Okay. And you find that, um, you know, those are all interesting junctions where someone might be looking to make that step change and take themselves someplace new in life. I remember someone once saying that we, we fall in love at the moment where we've kind of reached a dead end and we're just ready to make the leap of faith into something new. And that might be why it happens. Have you found in these these groups that are on the travel together, does is it helpful that they're at different stages in life and they feed off each other? Are there certain group interactions or activities you found that really help to be nice catalysts for people? Yeah, you know, I think I think um, as long as that openness is is there, um, 
we all have different enough lives that we can provide, we can provide new or sort of diverse uh, sort of perspectives to each other. It's, it's nice when you have a, a mixed age group, um, you know, because you have this, that, you know, the benefit of wisdom and experience, um, which provides a, you know, a perspective, but you also have, um, you know, you know, a youth and an energy and sort of a fearlessness that, that can be a good reminder um, to, you know, sometimes uh, folks in the, in the older group. Um, but, you know, I, I think you can find interesting dynamics between really any, any couple of people um, and bringing it back to Michael Bennett's uh, list um, that, that and that's where that meaningful interactions and conversations come in. So those can happen, you know, within the traveling group. But a lot of times it also happens between travelers and people they meet in destination. Sure. I, I remember taking a non-hunting safari in Botswana a few years ago, and one day, just to mix it up, I proposed to the guides that we uh, put some socks together and put some tape on it, and we played soccer uh, about 40 yards from where some crocodiles were hanging out. Certainly the most unusual soccer game I've ever played. Uh, lots lots of fun. Um, I, I love the point you made earlier about having an action plan because when you come back from the journey, yes, you can suddenly find yourself thrown back into your daily routine and, you know, and it, and it fades away and you maybe don't get the full value of the trip if you don't hang on to it and continue to reflect when people have made these action plans and they might even have a timetable of certain activities. What have you found is in your experience is, is the best way to, to tackle and really make a good action plan? Yeah. Um, I think one of the the biggest stages is is to take a little bit of time um, and slowly Michael Bennett's uh, principles are coming back to me. One of them is um, <laughs> taking time to, to make meaning. Um, uh, and so before you just jump right into an action plan, uh, consider your experience, consider your moments of clarity um, and sit and think and process and translate those into some goals and then be and then you have to be you have to be reasonable with it um so i think it's it, it, it's easy to to want to make you know a ton of of little changes or a big change um but you have to set yourself up for for success so you'll you can't expect to, I was just speaking to someone who had come back from a trip and was having a hard time getting from that like point of clarity and this sort of new them that they could envision based on uh, a, a one week yoga retreat that had such clarity around who they wanted to be. But you have to approach it as coming back. The, the big change is that clarity and direction. So you're maybe altering a path or you're maybe setting a new destination for your path and not expecting to be at that end state so much as set that end state as a goal. Um, and, and so, you know, it's, it's a big, it's a big thing to, to state and get clear on where that goal is, but then be patient and kind with yourself um, and, and giving yourself some time to get there. Okay. Yeah. Not, not rushing. So before we end here, I mean, I love travel. I'm sure that you love travel. Uh, I want to give you a chance to maybe close with a, a favorite journey that you've made internally, externally, the two combined, however you want to approach the question. Sure. Oh, gosh. Um, 
So many, so many different journeys that have led me to the one here. The one that's maybe freshest in my mind is actually this kind of COVID journey that we're all on right now and, and trying to take some of these principles and, and sort of apply, uh, apply these thoughts uh, to, what, to what we're going through right now, um, which is uh, there's a lot of unpredictability. Um, there's, uh, you know, I personally am in kind of a, an, an unknown, an unknown place working, you know, in the travel industry and having so many things up in the air. Um, and so I'm trying to embrace these, embrace these principles of having a purpose, setting some intentions for, for what I want to do, um, being bold, um, uh, and, and sort of finding purposeful, meaningful experiences through this. And then trying to figure out, okay, what what do I want to do with with what I'm I'm learning uh, right now, so that I that I'm not just trying to stay comfortable and let this thing pass, but I'm I'm finding a way to to kind of grow and come out of this a better person. Okay, so you're using it as a bit of a gut check opportunity to to reflect and grow yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Fair enough. So I want to thank you, Eric, so much for, for being on the show today. This has been episode number 50, Finding the Hidden Heart of Travel. My guest, Eric Rupp, he's the author of the Transformational Travel Journal, which is published by the Transformational Travel Council. If you've jo- enjoyed today's show, please give it a rating or review on iTunes. You can check out other episodes by visiting my company's website at the obligatory three W's and sensorylogic.com or go to the New Books Network website where this podcast is part of the NBN's original special series um, on the the platform. Finally, I'd like to conclude every episode with an appropriate epigram. In light of today's topic, here's a quote from Helen Keller who said, life is either a daring adventure or nothing. Until next time, be kind and stay safe. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.